Blog Talk Radio. All right, we are um, live right now. This is Chinese Medicine Networks, and we are doing this as a last-minute effort to get the GI podcast up and running. We had technical difficulties, so the show was supposed to start at 8.30 on Zoom with a live feed to Facebook, and that got screwed up, so we are switching gears and doing it to doing it with um, uh, Block Talk Radio, so it's just going to be a podcast. Thank you. So we're sending the phone number to call in. This number will be posted on Facebook as well. And we're going to go ahead and uh, go back into here, and we're going to wait for Andrew to call in. Andrew, Lon, and Dr. Whalen, they are uh, going to talk about GI, gastrointestinal uh, treatments, and also explanations through... uh, Basically, basically using like biomedicine and you know explanations on or biomedical explanations of what is going on in the body when and and how we are affecting these with uh, Chinese herbal medicine and explaining how that works physiologically. It's pretty interesting stuff. So it's combining kind of the latest of what they've been finding with uh, gastrointestinal disorders. Um, Thank you with the microbiome and whatnot. So, pretty exciting stuff, and uh, we're going to get them right on the air now. Andrew, you there? Andrew. Matt, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. We're just waiting for Andrew. I've connected him, but I don't hear him. Oh, here's another. Okay, maybe they're trying from a different phone number. Hi, Andrew, you there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hi, Lon. Andrew's there. Good, good. And uh, who else? Matt's here. And we just had another number call on a 954 number. So who who's, who's on right now? Oh, Danielle's on. <laughs> nice. We have a guest, Danielle. She's coming to the seminar this weekend, and she decided to stop by and uh, and uh, you know give us hell basically. Don't ever let her let her persona on Facebook fool you. She's brutal. Andrew, we're going to talk GI. Lon, Doctor Whalen, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Sorry about the technical issues before. I sent a nice little love letter, love letter over. I'm sure that they're very thrilled um, hearing from us. But what are you going to do? It's technology for you. I want to talk about – I want to get right into it. And, Andrew, you have an interesting, different perspective on uh, not only treating GI disorders, but also how Chinese medicine works, why it works. The explanations that you use are very different. People have noticed that. And uh, I wanted to, wanted to know – what really influenced you, and when was it? What really influenced you in in treating gastrointestinal and really taking the approach that you do? Well, the earliest memory I have about that was when I was about 12 or 13, and we got out of school. It was a half day, and I had a couple bucks in my pocket, so I bought two of the most delicious hot dogs I've ever had from this goddamned shamrock gas station. 
and I got sick as a dog. I mean, I, I lost 10 pounds in 24 hours, and I only weighed like 70 pounds. That's not good. <laughs> and uh, at that time, you know, I, I lived in a Chinese community, Taiwanese community in Colorado. at had a Taiwanese stepdad, and the neighbor lady came over and gave me these small pills, which um, we later upgraded into MicroGuard. But I took them and right away felt something fizzing, felt my gut go back, you know, to, to order. And she also did some external Qigong, which I thought, I asked her, like, wait, aren't you Christian? What are you doing this stuff? And she's like, oh, no, this is nothing mystical. This is Qigong. And then she's giving me these pills, and I was good after that. And I remember thinking, Pepto-Bismol doesn't do this. So later when I hear people say, well... Chinese medicine is a, um, you know, you have to be really patient. It takes months and years, and it's a, you know, it's a healing journey you go on. I just thought categorical bullshit because the way that it's used just firsthand in, within the Chinese community is just boom, it's done for most over-the-counter problems that you experience. So mm-hmm. that really informed the way I was looking at it. One, my ideas about qi were not mystical. There wasn't a spiritual kind of thing. It was just something that people did, like you might use a cigarette lighter or internet connection. It's not a big deal. And then the second one was that herbs should work immediately. Right, right. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but, you know, there's this idea that, you know, the great sages were just thinking, sitting around and pondering this beautiful you know, art of healing. And it's like, no, there are people dying of dysentery. There are people dying of, you know, poor hygiene and whatnot. When you're talking 500,000, you know, however many years ago, even more recently than that, this was a medicine that had a degree of urgency in its delivery that either you got it or you didn't. And the person died. Well, I felt like I was going to die. I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, that's but this they've developed treatments. Treatments have been developed over the years that are meant to take care of it like that. Because it's it's really no it's really no joke when you when you think about what this medicine has had to be has had to go up against. It wasn't it wasn't just oh you know for the oh I have a little indigestion. It wasn't just like oh well you know and we're going to get into this too and this is a real problem in this country you know. Um, diet and it, it, it did it, it did have to overcome dietary issues as well and it does work very well for like issues with the American diet but also how about you know poor nutrition and things like that that historically have been a problem <laughs> you know, this medicine is real and uh, yeah why why would it take so long why would it have to take so long to uh, to work so I want to go into something else that you we had mentioned briefly um, while while we were goofing around with the uh, the other software, I want to go into this because it was kind of good because we got to chat a little bit. But you had mentioned issues with the the diet in the U.S., but also even just differences in the diet within China itself, and how 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 has that played a role in the development of of uh, you know treatment approaches in herbal medicine? Uh. China, because China is a really big country, and the diet from north to south is really Wait, I'm different. I'm sorry, Lan, Lan, I have to ask, what makes you an expert on China? I'm sorry? Uh, what makes you an expert on China? I'm really just kind of wondering. 
how many books written by white people have you read and can memorize based on that's, China? Because otherwise they don't count. That's what I'm Sorry, getting at. I haven't read any of those books in English. Not even the um, Chinese medicine books in English because the translation just doesn't connect with the knowledge that I've had. All right, so are, are, are you at least from China? Can you have that kind of, uh, you know, on your resume? Yes, I'm from China. I grew up in China. Okay. I was born in China. And I'm, right. from, uh, right. I'm from southern China. So my diet is different from the uh, Chinese from uh, northern chi- China. And right, we I'm actually sorry. have. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and I'm sorry. So the diet... The diet is really different, and then diet actually caused our body reacted to the uh, the foods, the medicine different too. And you can see a lot of um, the herbal formulas that's prescribed in northern climate diet environment compared to the southern diet uh, climate is different too, because of mm-hmm. the because of diet, the weather, the things like that. Sure, sure. One of my first professors is from northern China, really north, in Harbin, which is like Siberia. And the foods there are much heavier. Like you might think of um, northern European foods or Inuit foods. They're just oilier and thicker. So he would use, you know, like 70 grams of futsa on little old ladies in Canada. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And he'd just shrug and say, eh. And it would work because he was used to using these much higher doses that, you know, according to the, if you go by the state law or whatever, you know, I don't know what guidelines, I, I took his example and I ignore them, but, you know, they'll say like, oh, don't use more than five grams of that. And he's using 70. So that's right. just a way of understanding the climate and the diet and how that uh, influences it. I was, um, I just come back from Chengdu and I'd been studying with these super doctors for years and I was just cracking my knuckles waiting to get to these really hard diseases in uh, North America. So I was in Oregon, and I was treating a police officer. So um, we'll call him Randy Sewell because that's his name. Okay. And, uh, AKA. And I, so he's a bike cop. <laughs> and he had insomnia for years and years and years. I mean, like it was like eight years of horrible insomnia. So I thought, you know, maybe it was PTSD or, or, you know, I was trying to chip away at the usual suspects of what it might be. And then one time after treatment, he said, you know, a bunch of guys are having some, you know, beers at my at his house. So I went afterwards after it closed to meet up with him and I saw him eat most of a cheesecake and a number of stout beers. And I thought this guy is not eating like anybody in China. So what I gave him later became our formula MicroGuard, and I was calling it the Randy Sewell for a long time, like, you know, it was his sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> named it after. But, but that formula cleared him up. I mean, he didn't, it was, you know, within two weeks he was sleeping again, and I wasn't messing with his hormones directly. I was working with the microbiota and the effects that they have on the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. I didn't know it at that time, but that's what I was doing. And as a result of that, he was able to get his life back, and he asked me to officiate his wedding the next year, which we did in Montana, and it was beautiful. And you had a lot of cheesecake and beer at that wedding. Yeah, we did. It was awesome. But then after that, I said, okay, let's just give this digestive formula to everybody for the first two weeks, 
And then afterwards, I'm going to use these super formulas. I've got all these notebooks. It'll be great. Well, 80% of people were better after two weeks. So on one nice. hand, I'm feeling like a bit of an asshole because I've spent years trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to learn from all of these top doctors. And, you know, you, then you have these major variables, which is the American diet and the fact that in China, wandering around, we take 15 to 20,000 steps in a day. We just yeah, walk yeah. to walk down the street to the farmer's market and come back and it's 6,000 steps. In right. the U.S., I'm lucky if I take 2,000 a day. And that has a really strong effect on digestion. Does that matter mm. if generally you have, you have Chinese people, if they're taking shorter steps? That, does that make more steps? Does that really count? Or is that not? In, it's still 6,000. In northern 6, China, they're really tall. In, in northern China, I'm short. They're like West Africans. But yeah. southern China, yeah, everybody's in midget mode. So, yeah. It's, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, so this is really the birth of MicroGuard, which has been, you know, uh, you know, you don't want to make it like, you know, it's it's a cure-all, but it's been tested and for specific conditions, which one happens to be the American diet, which was so great in general for most people, it's really effective. And and why why is that, if you just want to give a little quick synopsis of why? Think. Yeah, absolutely. Or, I'm not trying to yeah. overhype it. It's really the concept more than, you know, the thing itself. We happen to use good sure. quality, but, you know, whatever. Just take the idea. And the main idea is about food stagnation. And if we look at, right. you know, if we, well, if we want to reach further into the American public, we just start from now on talking about it as gut dysbiosis because that's okay. what's causing all of these changes within these bacterial blooms that are then influencing the gut-brain axis. But mm -hmm. the American diet, the lack of walking, the sedentary nature of life here, that's all going to play a role in disturbing digestion, preservatives in foods, eating foods that are more preserved, having a higher sugar and salt diet. I mean, in the South, people used to pack wounds. Surgeons in the Civil War used to pack wounds in sugar. Look how much sugar is in our diet. On one hand, it's going to be causing these bacterial blooms. On the other hand, it's going to be acting like a preservative, depending on the density. Same thing sure. with salt. So all of mm -hmm. these are going to be interfering with digestion. So it's simply a matter of looking where the biggest stick is in the spokes and removing it. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, your, big, your, your stick is kind of, and, and I think generally speaking, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I just did, but is that you want to... Are you mansplaining? So, I'm, I'm definitely mansplaining, and I'm, would you not interrupt me when I try to do that? Please, sir, kind sir. I want to say that you like to simplify things, God forbid. It's, it's kind of the nature of, of people in this country, maybe just Westerners, I don't know. I don't want to like, generalize too much, but I just did. But, you know, the, the issue is we overthink things, and you're coming from, a, from an area of, like, no, let's simplify them. It, it can get complicated, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, and oftentimes it isn't to get a drastic result. Am I far off the mark there? I, I believe that the theory should be very, very profound, and the application should be as simple as possible. Ah, cool. So it's just okay. like, you know, if um, you're using your computer for porn, let's be honest, then mm -hmm. you're not doing not all the work. coding. You're just... 
Right. Yeah, you're just typing something in and then finding what you want. You know, that's how browsers work. That's the beauty of Windows. We don't need to right. be coding in Linux to do that. So in order mm-hmm. to create the systems, yeah, that's important. In order to use them, it should be simple. The people who created Chinese medicine, the people who are looking at the I Ching, these are the coders. We can leverage what they learned, and the application of it can and should be really simple. Everybody I met who is at the top of the field, if it's in um, – like I've met these guys with the beards on the top of the mountains who are these you know, meditation gurus who are hard to get to except by introduction. These guys right. are down to earth. They're going to talk yeah. about the chi flow in your body like you know, your cousin Larry does about cars. That's just the nice. way they talk about it. It's really simple. So, and then the people below them who are scrambling for fame and are kind of douchebags, they're the ones mm-hmm. who are complicating it. So right. I'm trying to just, within the spirit of, you know, mechanic cousin Larry, that's where I'm taking the approach. Uh, I always liked my cousin Larry. He was just really a great guy, and we did talk cars. And actually, I used to work on cars. And, you know, the simpler you can make it, the better. And we had a, we had a even back, I remember, 20-something years ago when I went to school for him, and it was, it was keep it simple, stupid. And I've heard that come up. In, in acupuncture from other people and so you do have that that theme that you know keep it simple yeah the 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 science behind it is complex absolutely and you know but the actual delivery can be pretty simple and the actual uh treatment can be simple and so that yeah, brings us there's right... like a sorry go mm-hmm. ahead so oh, no, like, you... um... yeah oh okay uh, so there's some rules like um, Chinese people know uh, what is a good acupuncturist, what is a good Chinese medicine doctor. Number one, the less points they use, the better. Number two, they use the channels instead of looking at the points itself. Number three, right. if they use the channels combining with uh, the timing, then that's even better. But the mm. simple... Uh, simplicity is on the number one at the top criteria. Hmm. So, yeah, that, that's, and I think that that's a theme that we've been seeing with even other seminars that we've been doing. And, and, and if you can't explain it, you know, simply, and there's, there's, you know, then, then you may not know it well enough. And so that's really an interesting concept. But when it comes to explaining things, to patients and to other healthcare professionals like MDs, Andrew, what is what are some of the the best ways to do that, and how do you explain it? Now, there's the microbiota, there's the you know, and and gasotransmitters and all this stuff. What the heck is that all about? You want to go into that? Uh, yeah, actually, I'll ask an MD or Lan or Dr. Whalen or yeah. One of the the things that I would encourage you to keep in mind is that for well, I graduated from uh, medical school in 1981. Um, I didn't have a single course um, in nutrition. Um, over the years, that has changed a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, the um, the gut is terra incognita. Uh, 
There are a few disease states that have been focused on uh, and maxims about, you know, eat right, uh, get plenty of exercise, sleep, uh, but with no guidelines about how to encourage that um, because the typical focus is upon um, treating the disease after it has uh, bloomed into manifestation. Right. Um, I have a one of my uh, my daughter is a family medicine MD who graduated uh, a uh, let's see in 2008, uh, and she worked after graduation. Um, up in the Four Corners in New Mexico in the Navajo Nation. Um, and her biggest problem um, that she faced every day um, was primarily um, GI tract based uh, uh, obesity, diabetes, uh, the effects of um, alcohol on the gut, uh, and she had literally no training in in that. She, you know, had training in what pills to use for trying to lower blood glucose. She had some training in um, what medicines to use for heartburn or um, uh, H. pylori um, GI disease. Um, and you know how to use steroids for um, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, and beyond that, virtually no training. So as soon as you step back and try to get at the roots of the problem, you're moving away from the frame that most Western MDs um, are dealing with, and. Uh, and most Western MDs that I talk with are really frustrated that they there's nothing in their armamentarium to help them with this. Now, whether they're willing to listen um, is another question. But that's I think that's a fairly common perspective among what's Western docs. Are you seeing? that there's a language that we should maybe be speaking that would, I mean, is it even mainstream when you talk about some of these things like the gaso trans transmitters and, uh, and things like of that sort? Is, is that mainstream? Is that better to discuss in that way? Because I think anytime that you can connect in a way with your patients that, that in a way that they can understand better is, is the way to do it. Um, gazotransmitters is the term that's rarely seen in, in Western medicine. Um, there are some developing, there are some papers being published now that are making reference to it, um, but it's it's not a big topic. Uh, the the big thing is, I think testimonials that if you can say you know I've had these 10 people with um, obesity and these are the things that I did and 
their um, their weight dropped, their hemoglobin A1C dropped, um, and this is common for what I see in my practice. That's what is going to grab people's attention. Mm. Okay. And also, if like according to my experience, if you talk to MDs about chi and energy, like right away, a lot of the MDs gonna shut down right. their brain yeah. right there before yeah. you even go further from there. Yeah, there, you know, there's been sort of um, um, a breakthrough. Uh, I know Andy and Lon had a podcast um, in which they discussed fecal transplants. Right. And that um, has drawn a lot of attention for Western docs, and so that they have a more of an understanding now of the importance of the microbiota in the gut. And uh, there's are papers coming out about treating diabetes with fecal transplants. Um, and if um, if it can be approached from, docs do know about gut dysbiosis. They've heard about microbiota. And if the approach is that we can change the microbiota and affect the gut dysbiosis, the gut-brain barrier, those are terms that people are familiar with. Okay, good. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. So and every day would, there's more research. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's a little delay here. Go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. Every day there's research showing that gut microbiota and microbiomes within the body are on the eyelids, in the brain, influencing the gut-to-brain axis within the blood, influencing every aspect of our physiology. This is in you know Time, Newsweek, but then afterwards... How do you deal with it? People don't know. So I'm not advocating taking a radically different effect, but simply by reverse engineering what we're already doing by looking at the pharmacology of herbal medicine, we can explain very accurately what we're doing, and also we're in a unique position to know what to measure. Ah, very good. And these things can also be affected through Qigong? Uh, yeah, because... So my understanding of Qigong is within the martial arts slash Chinese community, and it wasn't um, it wasn't maybe what a lot of people's experiences are going to a t- retreat or at a yoga studio. It was something that you did when you ate something bad and it got you burping. So that was that was just it was like something that you do when you're sick or when you're old. It wasn't, you know, now you can definitely do that before weightlifting. A lot of younger people are doing Wim Hof method. But, yes, because Qigong, um, Zen, different types of yoga, basically when you put yourself into a state of intermittent hypoxia so that you're not breathing, it kicks up uh, nitric oxide, hydrogen sulfide, carbon monoxide, and these have the ability to kill and cause other types of microbiota to flourish. So it's a way to cultivate, literal self-cultivation, by cultivating a garden within yourself. Interesting. Do you suppose that at your seminar in July, people will be passing out again? 
or any other? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, God willing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah be- no, it's going to be pretty hands-on, and that's one of the reasons why I, you know, asked that it not be videotaped. It's because a lot of this stuff needs to be felt. It needs to be visceral. Otherwise, yeah. we might as well do a video series. You know, if it's going to be the benefit of it being in person is there can be this kind of transmission. And sometimes that can be, you know, might look stupid doing it. So we want to be respectful right. of everybody's space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to be really careful with yeah, keeping privacy and things things happen at your fibro seminar. You know, what what happens there stays there. It's kind of like Vegas, I suppose. So you're basically running yeah. Vegas, a Vegas type seminar. That's fair. Yes. Yeah, that's fair and, to say. You know, okay. interestingly, as a result of that though, 40 people got together and are working on a fibromyalgia project with, through Jeremy Cornish. They're all working on it together, and mm-hmm. it's killing it. People are doing well oh, all over right now. People I've never met are being taught by people I taught, and they're getting 80% better within the first week. So that's really awesome. Not just you know, I think that's the nice part about meeting in person, being part of that collective experience is that People are connecting and really beautiful things are taking off. And that's the thing with this seminar as well. Yeah, it looks like, okay, we're going to be doing a GI seminar. That's true. But also, we're going to be showing you how to find the information for yourself, how to look it up. I'll give you an example. A family came in and they said, well, my mom can't, you know, she's sweating all the time and won't stop. And she had very classic chi deficiency sweating. You're supposed to give her just textbook buchong ichi tang. But there was some lawyer that came with her. I don't know what it was about. There's some lawyer person with her. And I needed to present proof. Otherwise, they wouldn't go through with the treatment plan. So mm-hmm. I went into the next room and I said, oh, I'll, I'll print that out for you. I had no idea this existed. So I looked up nitric oxide and hyperhidrosis immediately. The first thing up there was a link between those two, printed it out, gave it to them, immediately sold them on the program. Another nice. person... Um, had uh, you know he had he couldn't pee he couldn't pee because he was nervous and you know I actually covered this in our last uh, podcast episode but I just immediately searched you know on my phone I just looked up you know um, I looked that up in relation to hydrogen sulfide and uh, nitric oxide and hydrogen sulfide is still emerging. There's a lot more research on nitric oxide. Found an immediate link. You need a sweet spot of nitric oxide to cause the uh, urethral sphincter to open. Pretty cool. And and what you're coming up with are, by reverse engineering are actually very effective ways of treating these conditions in sometimes a seemingly simple manner, although it's the, can get very complex too, but again, the treatment should be relatively straightforward and simple. Is that the gist? Yeah, and if I told somebody, well, I need to bring your chi levels down around your bladder, uh, that's worth 30 bucks. When you're looking at regulating somebody's nitric oxide in order to very specifically cause, you know, the sphincter to open, that's worth a lot more, and the amount of compliance you get the the amount that they don't bat an eye at running their credit card, that's tremendous. That's paid me back several times over. And, you know, it's taken me about uh, 10 years looking over this research, you know, just one study a day, one or two a day, 
just it piles up and you just get an idea of where to look for information and that's what we'll be covering as well so it's very much a teach you to fish kind of situation rather than you know here have a fish well yeah it's, and it's and how to communicate with the patients which it, it seems like that will be covered as well but also again how to get the information so that you can then communicate with the patient what you're trying to to, to what, what you're trying to accomplish with treatments and i think that Every seminar we have, we try to give as much that the people can take back with them. What's really nice is the relationships that are built, the camaraderie, and also the collaboration, which was a huge factor, as you mentioned, as you touched on just a few minutes ago. In your seminar, the degree of collaboration following the seminar was ridiculous. I mean, the Fibro Facebook group is, is, has been regularly active um, people are just taking this and doing things that, you know, probably surprise you in some in good ways, you know. That's Absolutely. Really nice it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. So mission accomplished there. And uh, I suspect this one will be really similar. Um, yeah, what I would really love, actually, I mean, everybody who comes in, I want to see, you know, I, I everyone go in there will have their personal objectives, and I have my objectives for them as well. I would think uh, what I want is to see, you know, most people be able to go home, get much higher compliance, respect from their patients, as a result be able to get that compliance, get better patient-doctor relationships, really establish their standing within their community, as leaders in this medicine, as being at the forefront of understanding the gut-brain axis because of everything in Chinese medicine relating to um, the spleen and thought, relating to kidney fire stoking the spleen sheet. We'll go into the physiological basis for all of this so you can explain it. And then we'll also go into how different medications, which keep in mind everybody in America is on pills, and these medications cause very specific digestive side effects, and they'll blame it on the acupuncture and the herbs first. So knowing what those side effects are and how to work directly with them, I suspect that there will be about you know, 10% of the people who are ready to really go big with it, and what we want to do is empower those people to say, okay, um, there is a side effect of diarrhea with Lyrica, and I can fix all of that, make an online program, and win really hard with it. So I'd like to see people doing half a million to a million residual online with that. Because the information needs to get out there, and it's not. It's not getting Absolutely. out there at I mean, all. If we're looking at, yeah, if we're looking at helping the most people as efficiently as possible – we have to put our egos aside and just look at, okay, what are people really suffering from the most? Side effects, specifically digestive side effects of medications. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get to the root and just fix everybody's uh, mind, body, and soul so they never need a pharmaceutical medication again? Yeah, and then grow up because the majority of people, that's not even on their radar. We're still right. complementary medicine, but how do you provide proof of concept? How do you provide yeah. proof of concept that the entire family comes to see you? You need to fix something within 24 hours. And when it comes to a weird blood disease, that might take three months, nine months. But when it comes to digestion, the microbiome can shift within 48 hours. If you can do that, you provide proof of concept 
and then people will continue to see you and they trust you now much more to see their family and friends. And if you can do that while speaking in a language called Latin, which is the language of science in the church for 1,500 years, then you come with a lot more credibility than if you're speaking an Americanized translation of Chinese. Well, that's key, an Americanized translation. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's becoming more and more clear that the actual... uh, the actual TCM taught in schools is not even really doesn't even really reflect TCM Chinese medicine. Other than uh, other than the Maoist version, very watered down. Andrew, is it time for another culture war? Culture war. Um, you know, I'll say this: when it comes to TCM versus everybody, everybody I've met who does TCM. And what I consider to be misplaced intelligence, they're simple where they should be complex and complex where they should be simple. And most people doing this are much, much smarter than me, much smarter than most of my friends. However, they're remembering every single acupuncture point. I can vaguely remember the channel trajectories, right? They remember all of the formulas. I remember a few of them. But then when it comes to the theory, the theory part is not well understood. And that's something we're going to be covering as well. Like when you have dampness, you automatically have dryness. When you have phlegm, you automatically have fire. And these things aren't really taught. So when you have, um, you know, what's the relationship between dryness and blood deficiency? Right? And the dryness and blood. So we're going to be covering that. Because there's, there's chi and blood, there's dampness and dryness, there's fire and phlegm. And those are all different levels of fluid physiology that aren't understood well enough by the people in schools, not to say in the U.S., but also in Beijing. It's not understood that well. And as a result of that, nobody is getting it simple, and we're going to make it simple again. That's beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that comes from my Taiwanese teachers and people in Sichuan who are generation doctors. mm Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So there's a, okay. I see what you're saying. Really cool stuff. So we'll patch up the holes. That's it. I mean, it's not like, uh, it's not wrong or anything. It's just, you patch up the philosophical holes and everything gets clear and everything gets hit simple. And then you can afford to be stupid. And that's beautiful. You can coast. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, like you said, uh, people do have a, at least we have a base, you know, from where to work from. There just needs to be a little bit of a shift maybe in, in the way of thinking. And, uh, yeah, I mean, people in this field are, are pretty and in, incredibly intelligent, you know, they have no problem. And that's part of the reason why everybody wants to go doctor house on everything. It's like, because it's the fun part, right? The figuring it out, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Well, we can literally go doctor house. If you want to explain it that way, if you want to look at the pharmacology of a formula and how exactly the microbiota is affecting the body. Sure. Part of it will show everyone how to do that, and you can look like Dr. House every day, yeah. and that's pretty fun. Yeah, that's the Dr. House part of it. Yeah, not the other. Yeah, that's right. the, but then secretly, behind the scenes, you you know, you can keep it really simple. And that's what I find really exciting is some of the most ancient aspects of Chinese medicine are matching up with some of the most modern aspects of uh, 
biology. Right, right. Very, very cool. Does uh, do do does does uh, anyone else on your team want to add to that? Um, I think this is a good chance to connect Chinese medicine, this ancient art, to the modern world. What we do here is not trying to make it less Chinese medicine, less tradition, but we're trying to back it up with the modern techniques to support uh, what has been there for thousands of years and then explain it to the, in a way that nowadays we can't understand. That's a really good point. I mean, that's that's there's there's this idea that, you know, just by trying to, I don't know if you want to call it modernized Chinese medicine, but connect it to the modern world, as you put it, even just by trying to do that, there's this idea that oh, you want to lose the the integrity, you want to, you know, you're going to jeopardize the integrity of Chinese medicine, or you're going to do away with, you know, all of the wonderful beauty of it and that's not necessarily true is it right yeah definitely not because you know everything when you look at the the research part it's really interesting because for example when you say okay the clearing heat uh, herbs formulas they reduce the fever they do this and that and then later you found out that they kill the bacteria they are antibacteria the antivirus Mm-hmm. In the modern way, and then right. of course, in ancient in ancient Chinese, we didn't have the words of virus or bacteria, but it doesn't right. mean that they don't match. Right, exactly. I find that what I get a kick out of is um, that anybody, the the people who think that it's you know absolutely um, wrong to try to modernized Chinese medicine, as soon as there's a study out showing that something works, oh, they'll jump all over. Oh, see? See, it works, but we don't want to modernize Chinese medicine. But check out that study. It shows, it proves it. I mean, you, know, you can't have it both ways. What do you think is the wackiest aspect of Chinese medicine physiology, which makes no sense with Western medicine? Throw it out, and then I'll, um, I'll tell you right away how I would explain this to a patient. Oh man, I uh, well we could do that little exercise, or do you want to take some questions from the group, Andrew? What do you think? Uh, give me one of those, then we'll take questions. Oh crap! Throw me a Danielle, hop the in. Weirdest. You want to throw Andrew a curveball? Uh, personally, or from the questions? Personally, so Andrew wants you to throw him a uh, curveball. The what's the weirdest aspect right of TCM physiology? Something in TCM that does not match. What's that? Well, it's, uh, you know, the fact that the lung is involved, well, although now things have come out that shows that, you know, the lung is involved in, in creating blood. Oh, yeah. Well, I, there is a study just on that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So that's the stuff that's going to come to my mind is stuff that, you know, oh, there's better oh, receptors on the heart. <laughs> Okay, you guys have some bad feedback where you're coming from. We're working on it. No, it was was me and Danielle. We were in the same room. You see that? You see that, Andrew? I mean, we're trying to run a tight ship here. 
and this is a, so okay the weirdest uh aspect of tcm physiology um yeah it just sounds like old-timey bullshit which one old-timey bullshit the ming men fire like some what's that ming men ming men okay so gate of life if you look specifically at the nerve cluster around there that's the adrenal plexus so there have been studies in china that um, I'll, I'll tell you about a study I saw personally with my own eyes. It was in uh, Hefei. They had a bunch of mice and were dunking them in water and slapping them around, and then their cortisol levels were off the charts. And then they did right. electric acupuncture on Do4, and it helped to re- it has regulatory effects on the hypothalamic-pituitary-adrenal axis. And by way of this, it affects um, through multiple pathways, it affects the digestive system. And we'll go into detail on that specifically. So when you're affecting the Ming Men, when you're doing exercises to open it, when you're working on people's posture to open it as well, then you're very directly influencing digestion. Wei Qi governs the exterior. Wei Qi governs the exterior. So with this, I look specifically at... So first of all, we're going to look at the herbal formulas which affect Wei Qi. So uh, if we look at formulas like Wei Jitang, which regulate yin and wei, right? Then we look at their effects on regulating immune factors by way of nitric oxide. So nitric oxide is the literal gas. And nitric oxide, when it's in Wei Qi mode, right, it increases macrophages, and the macrophages themselves have their own nitric oxide, which is working like a qi blast to kill bacteria. So uh, we can't actually Hadouken chi blast people from across the room. Your macrophages can and are right now. Their Wei Qi, their nitric oxide is killing bacteria. And the more nitric oxide you have as part of the inflammatory response, um, that in effect is also recruiting macrophages. Why are you incapable of chi blasting people from the other side of the room? Is that a deficiency in your own development? It is, yeah. It's a moral deficiency. Okay. Fair enough. I love your honesty. That's really probably the best part about you. While everything else is just kind of dull and mundane, that's the one thing that I can pick out and really respect is your honesty. I'm chopping out. And I do appreciate it. (laughs) Josh, Andrew. uh, Matt had a a good question for Andrew. what about any of the spleen diagnoses, anything when you're trying to explain spleen chi? And that brings up Diane Carter's question, which was, is there such thing as spleen chi deficiency? Um, show enough, there is. So if you look at the herbs which are said to increase spleen chi, right? Let's look at Gui Tong, let's look at Ren Shen. They very directly act on nitric oxide. And if you look at studies on nitric oxide now, they're doing something interesting. They're calling it pancreatic nitric oxide, liver nitric oxide, kidney nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a gas. Qi literally means gas. I mean, the stuff I'm talking about here, I I know it's kind of new for the acupuncture world, but the reason I'm kind of like, get with it, everybody, is that it's 20 years old, and people have been talking about this in China for like 20 years. So... You start, and what's beautiful is that every day more information comes out on this. So you look at uh, the pancreas, and it has to have this sweet spot of nitric oxide for it to start creating, you know, um, first of all, the islet beta cells to be functioning properly. 
for the insulin release to happen. There needs to be a sweet spot of this gas, which is pancreatic nitric oxide. Andrew, do you think that that the the the, the ancient the ancient sages got that one thing wrong? Were they talking about the pancreas, but they thought it was a spleen? What's your sense on that? I don't know. You don't know. I don't. Doesn't matter. You know, as long as it's uh, working and yeah, I don't know. Well, they lumped it together differently, but I mean that happens. It happens in Western medicine, too. Organs get separated, and, you know, over time, there's more division. No, absolutely. No, I, I totally I – mean, it's not a criticism at all. I mean, it's it's regardless, it's amazing on what was, yeah, I don't know. was accomplished. I, yeah, and I'm not – to be clear, I'm not looking um, at this stage in the development of research on microbiota and nitric oxide. I'm not looking at it saying, aha, this changes everything. No, I'm looking at it very firmly from the mm-hmm. root of tradition. And at this stage, using that as an explanation, but also trusting that in the next 15 years, this will give us information that will advance Chinese medicine so that it's not about, well, this is my interpretation of a book from a thousand years ago. Or for those of us, uh, you know, like Clayton Shu, myself, there are people who come from generation um, lineages that are that are pre-Kami, that are very tangibly involved with Qigong. That's still really subjective, and that's still not a white audience. Compared to, you know, let's look at research on free divers and look at the way that whales are holding their breath for so long. This is telling us a lot more, and because of the right. current population, the scientific community we are in a position where we absolutely can and must advance Chinese medicine. It's not a, it's not a dead language like Latin, but as long as we're preserving the root, we can take it forward. Yeah, and I don't understand. There's, there, I guess this happens no matter what you're talking about. Um, but, you know, there are such purists that say, God, you, you can't do anything because it's already been done and it's perfect. And I'm just like, that's, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, they're not pure. They're yeah. full of shit. <laughs> they're full. Of, they're purely full of shit. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, uh, that was a really cool exercise, Andrew. Does anybody have any other kind of like TCM lingo um, or physiology that that they want to throw out? Liver stores the blood. Liver stores the blood. Liver stores the blood. That one, not so much. Mm-hmm. Digestion. Stay on topic. Stay on topic. Right. Sorry. Sorry. Damn it. No, no, no. Because that one, like, yes, there is more blood within the liver and kidneys at night, right? Mm-hmm. But its mm-hmm. function of being an absolute storage container, that's actually more accurate about the spleen. Right, so, right. Okay. You know, that's that's why also, yes, I'm rooted in tradition, but also... There's got to be, you know, just like the yin and yang symbol, there's got to be that little eye there that allows you to advance. Because um, like the Yiling Gaizuo, uh, just within the 1600s, there was a major correction in Chinese medicine based on, um, based on Wang Qingren's, you know, 
attempt to advance Chinese medicine. And he really did. Right. That's where all of our blood formulas are coming from. So, yeah, some of this stuff, you know, I won't say, it all, you know, absolutely all of it needs to be updated. I think we need to, in a balanced way, look and say, is this so? Not write it off as superstition and not just hold fast to it saying like it's a religious debate. Because that's another thing. The way mm. Westerners look at Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. you see identical debates between science and Christianity going back the last two, three hundred years. And yes. it's not that, because, you know, within the Judeo, or I should just say the European Christian worldview, there's the church and heretic, right? In mm-hmm. Asia, it's not that way. It's like, here are these different schools of thought, let's explore them, right? So mm-hmm. all of these bearded master guys that I learned it from, um, they were open to different vantage points, and it wasn't that one of them was heresy. And whenever people are like, that's heresy, I'm like, you know what, why don't you go burn some women for knowing about herbs? You know, it's the same, it's the same train of thought. That It's just it's savagery, right? It's, it's savagery. It's, forms of thought. Yeah, it's like, you know, come on, open backwards. your mind a little bit. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. That's that's. That, I, I, can't even expand on that. That's exactly it. Um, Andrew, you have time to take a few questions? Yes. You sure? <laughs> that was so convincing. Yes. <laughs> oh, you just you just came out out with that Barry White voice. Don't don't do that, please. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Danielle, you have any questions? Um, someone posted on the group, Liz Britton wants to know about leaky gut. Yes. So leaky gut has been talked about among naturopaths in particular for a long time. I can't speak to everything that's associated with that idea and theory. What I can say is that when you're in a state of gut dysbiosis, different bacteria begin eating your intestines. You ever see a zombie movie where people, you know, these zombies are just ripping people's guts apart? That's mm-hmm. happening. And as a result of that, the gut gets hyperpermeable so that when you have something that's ordinarily pretty tame, it causes the body to freak out, have a massive inflammatory reaction. So they come to you with a huge list of everything they can't eat, and I generally ignore it. Because once you get their gut functioning a little bit and healing, then all of those foods are fine and they're not so allergic to it anymore. Nice. Um, but it is a simple and the gut other dysbiosis. question, uh, Mark is asking you guys <laughs> to talk about uh, psychobiotics. So because it's a new field and there is definite uh, – proof demonstrating that there is a gut-brain axis, then the question becomes, well, what do we do about it? And so there must be this one bacterial strain that's going to save the day. What we know to be true is that the gut microbiome is like a forest. So with a forest, is it true that having one particular species in the forest will change the entire dynamic? I've never seen that to be true. What is true is that once you have inflammation in a particular sweet spot, the gut-to-brain axis will be open or shut. If it's shut down, then the lymphatic system stops behaving, 
your brain gets full of shit and then everything gets foggy. So that's kind of the effect of we have the idea of dampness causing a foggy mind. That would be a correlation physiologically. When we look at herbs like Shichangpu, they are increasing neurogenesis in the brain by way of regulating the gut-brain axis. But they're not doing it by adding a specific type of bacteria. They're doing it by creating parameters in the gut that are hospitable to um, effective interchange between the gut and brain. So we already have very, very effective solutions with Chinese medicine, particularly with the mushrooms, the lingzhi, and a lot of these herbs like uh, yuanzhi, shichangpu, which are said to open the orifices. When it says open the orifices, almost all of them help to reduce the gut-to-brain. They help to work with the gut-brain axis and the blood-to-brain barrier. Sweet. Danielle, you you want to take one more? I I don't see any more posted. Okay. All right. Well, I just want to take this time to uh, mention again Andrew's seminars, July 7th and 8th in Syracuse, New York. And uh, we have some more seats left. It's over half uh, sold out, but we do have more seats. It will not be as packed as San Antonio was. There will be lots of room to do the uh, Qigong and and all the other exercises that you may uh, have planned. So that is a good thing. We did get a bigger venue. And uh, I think it's going to be a great time. We have a lot of a lot of people coming out already. It's going to be a lot of fun. July 7th and 8th, it's on AccuVids.com. And Andrew, Lon, and Dr. Whalen, I just wanted to thank you for um, reminding me how little I know and how smart everyone else is. Thank you. Thank you. And also, for those coming to the seminar, um, bring a tablet or a laptop because part of this, I want people to get into groups and then really start to crack some of the Chinese medicine um, physiological questions they may have had so that in the future it's not necessarily dependent on Lon or Dr. Whalen or myself to help connect these dots, that it's something you can really take and run with. Excellent. Good call. So definitely have have a source of... uh tablet or phone or whatever, right? I mean, they have to be able to get on. Laptop even? Would a laptop work, or is that too bulky? We'll, no, we'll laptop's great. We, yeah, we have lots of room. Again, I, I have to remember that we have a nice big venue this time, so we'll be good. So I really look forward to it. This is going to be a blast. Absolutely. I plan on keeping Andrew up all night. Uh, he's going to be pretty worthless uh, by the end of the weekend, but he'll be top-notch for Saturday and Sunday. Perfect. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> Sound good. Sounds great. Well, thank. <laughs> no, we will have. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, Matt, do you have anything? Danielle, you have anything before we close out? I think we're good. Covered a lot. My head hurts. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Thank you, Lon. Thanks, Dr. Whalen. And uh, we're going to po- post this up on. Uh, on the the link up on the group it'll be ready in just a few minutes apologize that we couldn't take questions live we tried to do it live on the group but we couldn't but this was incredibly informative really appreciate your time thank you 
Thank you. I look forward to seeing everybody in Syracuse. Thank you. Thanks, you darling. got it, yes. Thank you. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.